The night is cold and dark, my child. I'd advise you to stay inside, for I have seen the werewolf. Bloodthirsty, he has no warmth. He hears you crying, though he has no sympathy. He walks street after street, searching for an unlocked door. He will find someone. His quest is for blood. It will be done for tonight. By Julia Marquise. I'm sure most of you have heard of the werewolf sometime or another in your lifetime. The werewolf has become something of a staple in supernatural culture. We will often ask ourselves many questions and find very few answers. But what started it all? Where did the legend come from? Are there werewolves roaming in America? On today's episode, we will explore all of these questions and maybe find some answers. My name is Tiffany Taylor, and this is another episode of Shadows in History. Let's first talk about where the legend originated from. The earliest documented case was in ancient Greece. The earliest surviving example of man-to-wolf transformation is found in the Epic of Gilgamesh from around 2100 BC. However, the werewolf as we now know is first appeared in ancient Greece and Rome in ethnographic, poetic, and philosophical text. The werewolf myth became integrated with the local history of Arcadia, a region of Greece here Zeus was worshipped as Lycan Zeus, which translates to Wolf Zeus. In 380 BC, Greek philosopher Plato told a story in the Republic about the protector-turned-tyrant of the shrine of Lycan Zeus. In the short passage, the character Socrates remarks, quote, The story goes that he who has tasted of the one bit of human entrails minced up with those of other victims is inevitably turned into a wolf." Quote. The most interesting aspect of Plato's passage concerns the protector-turned-tyrant, also known as the mythical king Lycan. Lycan's story contains all of the elements of a modern werewolf tale immortal behavior, murder, and cannibalism. The story goes that the sons of Lycan sacrificed their youngest brother to prove Zeus's weakness. They served the corpse as a pseudo-feast and attempting to trick the god into eating it. A furious Zeus slayed the sons with a lightning bolt and transformed their father into a wolf. In Ovid's version, Lycan murdered and mutilated and protected hostages of Zeus, but suffered the same consequences. Ovid's passage is one of the only ancient sources that goes into detail on act of transformation. His description of the metamorphosis using haunting language 
that creates a correlation between Lycan's behavior and the physical manipulation of the body. Quote, he tried to speak, but his voice broke into an echoing howl. His ravening soul infected his jaws. His murderous longings were turned on the cattle. He still was possessed by bloodlust. His garments were changed to a shaggy coat and his arms into legs. He was now transformed into a wolf. End quote. Ovid's lichen is the origin of the modern werewolf. As the physical manipulation of his body hinges on his prior immoral behavior, it is that has contributed to the establishment of the monstrous werewolf trope of modern fiction. Lycan's character defects are physically grafted onto his body, manipulating his human form until he becomes that which his behavior suggests. And perhaps most importantly, Lycan begins the idea to transform into a werewolf, you must first be a monster. The next appearance of this mythical creature occurs in Nordic folklore with the tale of a father and son who stumble upon some unusual wolf pellets. According to the legend, these pellets had the ability to turn people into wolves for a total of 10 days. However, upon finding these magic pellets, both the father and son wore them, which led them on a rampage, wreaking havoc through the forest for 10 days straight. In a bizarre turn of fate, the father then attacked his son, who was only saved by the grace of a raven, lending him a leaf with healing powers. This legend from the saga of the Volsungs is likely the closest thing to a modern-day telling of a werewolf. While there's obviously no evidence of an actual human-to-wolf transformation, there are stories of brutal encounters with humans claiming to have a wolf prowess. These werewolves were actually infamous serial killers who claimed to be otherwise. Two of the most infamous cases were Michael Verdon and Pierre Bourgault, who both claimed to be able to transform into wolves back in 1521. Upon their heinous confessions, they were burned at the stake, as was customary, with an alleged mythical creature during that time, when people simply didn't know any better. Another well-known case is that of the werewolf of Dole, who made his mark during the 16th century, known by his real name of Giles Garner. His targets were children, and he too was burned at the stake after confessing to such horrible crimes. Just like Burgot and Verdon, Garner claimed to have ointment that granted him the ability to transform into a wolf at will. Today, it's surmised that all three of the men were likely suffering from a mental illness of sort, but that remains to be seen. As far as the most infamous of werewolves go, however, the Bedberg werewolf is said to have the most fearsome and gruesome. 
During the 16th century, the story went that Peter Stubb, the man in question, went on a killing spree in the middle of the night in Bedburg, Germany, sending the entire town into a frantic frenzy of fear. When Stubb was finally cornered, it said that the hunters who cornered him actually bore witness to his transformation, after which he confessed to daring everything that was suspected of him, and by extension, a typical werewolf. He claimed his powers came from a belt that was actually never found, therefore never confirmed. Many believe that Stubb was merely a scapegoat for political gain, but there's no denying that similar to the Salem witch trials, even the mere thought of a werewolf on the loose was enough to drive up paranoia and fear. Now, most of these sightings that I have been talking about are mostly in Europe and Greece and stuff like that. So now I want to get into, are there really werewolves in America? So after doing some research, I've found that there have been multiple sightings of either a werewolf or a wolfman or there's countless other names um, here in America in multiple states. And the ones that I've been reading are pretty interesting. And I'm going to share with you some of the ones that I have stumbled upon. Now, in Michigan, they have what is called the Wolf Man. And he's sort of the local legend, kind of like Bigfoot. Um, he's, he's supposedly really big in Michigan. And I stumbled upon this story about Ron going to see his girlfriend in 2006. And the report reads, on May 6, 2006, Ron was driving back to his girlfriend's house, who lives around Lansing, Michigan. He was coming back from the store, and she lives in the country completely isolated so the only way to get there is to go down dirt roads that are surrounded by fields. Ron was driving and saw something moving on a little hill that was right on the other side of the road so he stopped. All of a sudden a human-like hand except much larger than a normal man's hand reached over the edge of the hill and this huge silhouette came into view. It was much larger than a normal man and it had a wolf-like face and its eyes reflected in his headlights. It just sat there and looked across the field on the other side of the road and then it just very calmly turned its head and looked right at Ron. Froze from fear and locked in each other's stares for about 20 seconds, it started to move down the hill so Ron hit the gas and flew past it and got to the stop sign. He stopped, looked in the rearview mirror, and it was sitting in the middle of the road, just looking at the car. Ron took off again, and as he was driving, proceeded to look back again, and it moved very calmly in the other field. After getting to his girlfriend's house, they went back to the spot, but the creature was gone. This happened in between Lansing and the small town of Eaton Rapids. Now, the wolfman was also spotted in Wisconsin 
in 2004 on Bray Road, and the report reads as follows. A 45-year-old registered nurse from Greendale, her 14-year-old daughter and 14-year-old friend named Kevin, saw what was definitely the Wolfman while driving down Bray Road about 8.30 p.m. October 30, 2004, for the sole purpose of trying to scare the daughter's friend. The woman is trained in multiple areas, and they estimate the creature was no further than about nine feet away from them and illuminated in the headlights of the car. We had been looking for it for years, said the woman. Kevin had never been to Bray Road, so her daughter wanted to scare him. They arrived about 8.30, drove up and down the road a few times, drove around Bowers Road and back onto Bray Road, driving slowly and under the speed limit when something popped out of the corn about two miles down the road, heading toward Elkhorn. It stepped out of the corn and it looked aggressive. We all screamed very loud. She put her foot on the gas and went away as fast as she could and did not go back. What she saw didn't make sense. A quadruped has its legs backwards for speed and agility. But this creature had large, powerful thigh muscles and its knees was backwards. It was covered in fur with heavier fur on its back. It was dark in color but tipped silvery gray. It was in the oncoming lane of traffic, so there was less than nine feet away from the creature. It was not a person in a suit. It was way too tall, about seven feet, and way too muscular. And its eyes were glittery and dark. It had no whites like a human's eyes in a mask would have. Its head was big, almost too big for its body, and it had an elongated snout, but pointy, not rounded like a dog. It stood there, and then it hunched over into an aggressive stance. Its arms were bent at the elbow and forward. Its ears were pointed like a German shepherd's, but laid back. It was looking right at them, and they all felt it was aggressive and would defend itself viciously. This wasn't a dog or a wolf. It had canine features, but it was something else, something different, yet set the same. It was a wolf man. They all had the feeling they were not safe and didn't get a picture. Although they had cameras all over the car, video camera, digital camera, and a disposable camera, they were prepared. But when they saw it, they all just screamed and then the mother floored the gas. The woman said she was not drinking any alcohol and does not do drugs. She has had a few incidents in her life she considers somewhat paranormal but has never seen anything definite like that. All three witnesses saw the creature at the same time and agreed on its appearance. Now, Bray Road has somewhat of a reputation with the dog man. And back in 1993, Inside Edition ran a news story on it. And I'm going to play that for you now. I told my mom I thought I saw a werewolf. And my mom believed me. I was walking along a good, probably, seven to ten seconds before it had turned its head. That thing, that was no dog. That was too big to be a dog. That thing was bigger than me. That thing 
was stalking cornfields, jumping on cars, and feasting on roadkill. For two years, people in Elkhorn, Wisconsin, whispered about a king-sized creature who roamed Bray Road. It had really big claws. It was holding its roadkill like it had elbows. And it was kneeling on two knees, like a human being might do. Eerie stories like that prompted Linda Godfrey, a reporter and cartoonist, to investigate. It was all just too bizarre not to be for real. When you live in a small town and you say you've seen something that looks like a dog man or a wolf man, you know, you're going to get some ridicule, and they did. So they had no reason to say this. Despite the ridicule, beast believers came forward in Godfrey's Beast of Bray Road article, like Doris Gibson, who'd seen it on Halloween night 1991, driving down Bray Road. She had gotten out of her car when she thought she had hit an animal. It was foggy out, and I was a little bit afraid. And this big thing come just like trucking, you know? Just trucking down the road at me, man. I looked at it, and I'm like, ah! And I ran, I got back in the car. You know, and before I peeled off, that thing scratched the back of the car. Tom Brichta's car was also scratched by the creature from Bray Road. My adrenaline started pumping. Um, I was scared. But this is a creature that likes to cross county lines. Tom saw it twice on Route 106. We were having a good time and stuff. We were singing to the oldies and uh, jamming out and stuff. And all of a sudden, I, I noticed this on the side of the road. He was big, and I, he looked intimidating. I, I, I was scared of his appearance. Back on Bray Road, Lori Andreezy remembers her close encounter with the creature in 1990. I saw it kneeling on the side of the road, and it was eating something. And I came up from behind it. And I slowed down because I thought it was a person at first. So I came up from behind it, and I realized it wasn't a person when I saw its pointy ears. From those descriptions, Linda drew up this composite picture of the beast. All agreed it was very big, with pointy ears and broad-chested with a shaggy coat, streaked with silver, gray, or black. It had brought its right hand up, stopped, looked over by the car, real nonchalant and made eye contact with both Scott and I and gave like this sneer, like it was challenging us. Like, you know, what are you gonna do about it? You know, I'm here, you're there. I'm bigger than you are, you can't do anything about it. But with all the sightings, no one knew if it was man, beast, or even a combination of the two. One person simply called it God's mistake. I would assume that what they saw was some sort of an animal, probably dog-like in nature, either a, a, a loose dog or a coyote. I just said, it's a big animal, and it's upset, it's really upset. If werewolves do exist, this is probably a werewolf. Hey, what are you doing? Once the W word was spoken, werewolf mania broke out in Elkhorn. T-shirts were gobbled up, and personal capture permits were issued courtesy of hairy face. Even the local bakery made Beast of Bray Road cookies, touting them as werewolf cookies that will make you howl. Letters came pouring in. One in particular sent chills down Linda's spine. He said it was too large to be a wolf. It had a terribly unkempt look to its fur. Wild, not normal. Elaine Bushman was describing what her husband Robert had witnessed in 1991. 
The Bushmans live in St. Nazian and were just passing through town when Robert spied the creature. They knew nothing of the beastly tales that haunted Elkhorn. I've never seen anything that uh, would be dirty enough and for some reason or other scary enough to make you feel the hair lift up on your arms, you know? So, is it a dog, coyote, or werewolf? Believe what you will, but just remember, it's here, just waiting. Whether you believe in the legend of the werewolf or not, we can all agree that it has become a significant legend in everyone's culture. So be careful when you roam at night because you may come face to face with the legend itself. I'm your host, Tiffany Taylor, and this has been another episode of Shadows in History. Please be sure to subscribe to get all episode updates and follow the show on Facebook at Shadows in History Podcast for sneak peeks of upcoming episodes. <laughs>